think it's running now. I think, I think testing. We, One, two, three. I think we testing. Can, I think we can do it now. Yeah, the bars look like they're moving up and down like they can hear us. All right, then. Okay. Hello, and welcome to episode 97. What was that all about? Yeah, my voice is gone. Maybe oh. that's a good thing. I don't know. <laughs> oh, wow. It's going to be a weird episode. <laughs> la, 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 la. Like I said, it was episode 97. Um, you know the drill. Reviews from the Crawl Space. I'm Douglas. That's Vicky. We're on the Instagrams at Reviews from the Crawl Space is one word. We're on the Twitter as RFTCS1. And yeah, I think we should get cracking on this one. I agree. Oh, I'm lucky. I like how you bring the energy to the, to the fucking <laughs> podcast. Just keeping it up there. <laughs> Am I inconveniencing you doing this? Do you want time away? Yeah. Okay. No, it's just the hot weather. Yeah, it's not, so hot it's not that hot. Let's get cracking. Some of excuses. Let's go. All right. Let's get into it. Episode 97. The first album up is Asleep at the Wheel and their album called Framed. The second one, which was a very cool, serendipitous, crazy thing that happened, um, is Sparks, Kimono My House. And the third one is Slick Band. Which is less crazy. Which is less crazy. <laughs> okay, well, fun then. You got the three. So get, get cracking on Framed by Here. Asleep at the Wheel. Here we go. Giddy up. Asleep at the Wheel is an American country music group formed in 1970, but based in Austin, Texas. They've won nine Grammy Awards over their career. They have um, released over 20 albums. They've charted more than 21 singles on the Billboard country charts. Uh, Framed was their seventh studio album, released in 1980. Following numerous lineup changes and the band's departure from Capitol Records after five years, um, it marked a stylistic departure for the band. Mm -hmm. It was the first album that they did not feature their still guitarist, Lucky Oceans, and they decided to explore other genres, including... Um, Rock, easy listening, and jazz. <laughs> the fucking sure did. This was their last... The band was in such turmoil at this point yeah, in time. Yeah, it's, it's amazing they even got a deal. That this was their last studio album that they released... Um, or it was the last studio album to chart in the U.S. for 10 years. And it only went to hunt to 191 on the Billboard 200. It barely broke the 200, yeah. Barely, yeah. It received generally positive reviews from critics who applauded the band's experimentation with other genres. However, others thought that the departure from country uh, was the main reason for the group's dip in popularity. It was the last album they recorded for five years. Uh, they released their last album in 2018 and are still touring. I don't know. I don't know what reviews or what critics are talking about because mostly what I read, most mostly just trashed this album. <laughs> Yeah. And they did, people did not enjoy this album. And I see why. Mm -hmm. uh, the producer is a fellow named Ray Benson, who um, was the band's front man. Yeah. He has 71 production credits to his name, mostly for Sleep at the Wheel, but he also did some work with Dwight Yoakam and Trace Adkins. Hmm. The track listing on this album is Midnight in Memphis, Lonely Avenue Revisited, Slow Dancing, Cool as a Breeze. Uh, you want to give me a lift. <laughs> Side B is Don't Get Caught Out in the Rain, Whatever It Takes, Fiddle Funk Corn Fusion, 
Up, Up, Up and Musical Talk. For those of you who are fans of this band, the context is that this was their before album was Collision Course, released in 1978, yeah. and their after album was called Pasture Prime. I hope there's... Oh, I see what yeah, they did there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was released in 1985. And I hope none of them... I hope there's none of them in the collection anymore. I hope this is it. I do too, but the other day when we were at your mom and dad's, they were talking about your dad seemed quite taken with them. Oh, okay. So I would not be surprised to see others. There's going to be more. Yeah, and it's probably going to be a real country album. It's not a fake country album like this album is. Yeah. That's what this is. This album's not a country album. I know they're a country band. It's not a country album. No, they are not. This is not a country album. There's like two country songs. There's a country disco song and like an actual country song, but that's it. The rest of it is literally jazz. like a, a jazz, straight up jazz, adult contemporary. A, a couple of them are kind of throwbacks rock. to the 30s. Yeah, well, <clears throat> you would kind of mention a couple things, and I can't believe you didn't bring this up at all. The fact that when we're listening to it, you're like, oh, it sounds like so-and-so, and oh, it sounds like so-and-so. Well, it is. Like, um, you had to write. Bonnie Raitt was backing vocals on, on one of the songs. Uh, although you didn't say Loretta Lynn, you said it was Tammy Wynette. But it was Loretta Lynn's actually one of her songs that you said that sounded like it was actually yeah the girl and dan hicks is actually one of the songs oh. is actually one of his songs and there. that's probably the one where i said oh, to this. you i like this song i used to listen to a band called dan hicks and right. his hot licks and that's i didn't even notice that that's just lots of interesting little things going on there did that you not notice it. like i said you called the voices pretty pretty close loretta lynn the other one yeah, close yeah, enough, yeah whatever yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah the dan hicks thing was he was uh up 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 Huh. And that was probably the song, the song that yeah. I, I was like, yeah, I really loved his stuff, and I listened to it a lot, um, back in the day, and, uh, huh, huh, huh. Yeah, I just saw that it was a it was a female singer, and I just said that she sounded like mm -hmm. Bonnie Raitt, and she sounded like yeah, Bonnie Raitt was actually the, the but Bonnie well, Raitt was actually singing backups on this on this on that yeah on it, and uh, like I said, it was actually just. So Loretta Lynn, so that's kind of, I think that's kind of interesting because you're talking about it as we're listening to it and those things turn out to be kind of true. Those, so good, good ear on that one. Um, here, here's my take on this whole thing is that they're all obviously very good musicians. The oh, album, yeah. the yeah. album, we can agree on that. The album was... That generally goes without saying though. Like, I mean, if you're making an album, you're not a shitty musician. Uh, I don't know. I think it comes down to... My answer to that is... Is make white and the white stripes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one out of. Hmm. Um, and she did have a pretty fancy front man. Yeah, well, that's when you have one of the best guitar players of a generation. It helped hide the shittiness of the drummer. Yeah. Um, the other, so, yeah. Another band I was going to say was I think the band America back in the day had a or they had a really shitty drummer who couldn't play very well. There's there's been other bands, but yes, I agree. But there is definitely a level here of a polish. And, and finish that they have that some, oh, some of the others don't have. Most um, definitely, yes, yes, yes. Even the sound mix, I'll, I'll give it credit for the for a really decent decent sound mix, and I'll also give them credit for the different styles and genres. But the problem with that is being the the album's biggest strength and its biggest weakness is that one thing because really those different styles and genres don't fucking work. The album doesn't work as a whole. It's such a like it's such a scatter shot of. 
of things. Well, and it's funny because I was kind of laughing at that because one of our I know one of our pet peeves Is has it, been so many albums that so are just, just this mono monotone. Yeah. Every song sounds the same. You really can't pick out differences between them. And this, they tried to do that, and we're pooping on them. We are, but it didn't add up to anything. The songs were, I mean, generally weren't good. They were just, uh, yeah, and like you said, some of those old jazz numbers and stuff, yeah, it just like I said, it just didn't add up to the pieces. Some of the pieces were there, but it's funny how you get the feeling that that's, when we're listening to it, that's exactly what they're trying to do, is trying, trying to do something that they shouldn't be doing and just sticking to what they should be. Yeah, I think if, that it they, feels were, like it. they were just in so much turmoil that... Uh, uh, actually, you just said, I was reading somewhere, I was like, yeah, a little bit of turmoil, but... Financial issues. The record company came to them and said, here, we're going to give you more money for an album. We want you to do an album, but we don't want you to do what you were doing before. We want you to do something different. So they're like, fuck yeah, this is, there's more money than they've ever been given, so they yeah. went and did it. Here's our chance. And Woo! then And then this. And then, yeah, this. Which even fans didn't well, like. Well, at least they had the good God common sense to do a... I honestly, Dan Hicks song. I guess, but I don't know. Just starting off with a disco country song, it just you can it can eat it can eat my ass. Well, and it was funny too because it changed it up between the the male singer and the female singer, so it was kind of like, you know, one song was the guy, the next song was the girl, and it kind yeah. of um, and some of the lyrics are really dumb too. I don't yeah. know if it's just the country or just the way they're writing. Like it's I, I like I said, there was lots there, but it just kind of fell flat. It was just like a big. Yeah, and I agree with you. And you can you can kind of tell that things are kind of in upheaval. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, you I think can feel was, it. In the I think there was only one person from the original band on this album. Yeah, he's probably doing all the writing. And uh, so, yeah, it's uh, runtime on this album, by the way. 34 minutes, 21 seconds. Yeah, thankfully, that's another strength is it's short-ish. <laughs> oh, yeah, framed. Sleep at the wheel. And I think maybe they were asleep at the wheel when they made this album because they're all over the place. Ooh. Uh, yeah. MCA Records Catalog MCA-5131 Canada 1980 <clears throat> This is an original pressing They have it listed as Folk, World Country and Swing uh, I don't know about any of that Yeah those those um. Maybe some folk because there's some fiddle shit in there But nah, I don't know if I'd go so far As to say those. maybe that's what is they This one that had the saxophone in it too a couple oh, of songs? Yeah, I think there was sax in it, yeah. yeah. They all, I think they all had sax in it. Fucking the worst. Um, condition. The cover actually, because, okay, there's two copies here, and we're just going to go with the best-looking one. The second copy is, is fairly close in, in you know, condition, and it's whatever. We're just going with the good one. So the good one is actually, the cover is very good. The sleeve is also very good. It's oh, yeah, it's, it's almost a, mint. Original, yeah, exactly, with, yeah. Except for a few, a few spots the Yeah, the corner, yeah. Uh, so that there, and the sleeve is very good. It's original and it's printed. Uh, the vinyl is also very good. It needed a bit of clean, a little bit moldy, but once that has happened, it spick and span, no scratches or anything like that, no scuffs. Um, the audio was also good. Like we talked about, it was solid, had good mix, a good separation, good weight. Like <laughs> it's such a waste almost. Okay, uh, design concept, um, design concept, design and photography by Don Peterson. Artwork, which is like it was a poster insert and the cover, the inside uh, sleeve for this is uh, Julie Speed. Uh, so Don, a, f a photog designer, 
with 43 credits to his name. Uh, first time on the show, he's also worked with Taj Mahal, Little Richard, and Ravi Shankar, which is quite the selection of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, prog rock, whatever Little Richard became, still... Rock and roll? Yeah. Or old, rockabilly? Rock, or yeah, I was going to say like original rock. Yeah. Rock and roll yeah. kind of stuff, yeah. And then Ravi Shankar. Ravi Shankar, yeah. Indian. Well, yeah, well, for sure, but all those things you definitely get baked to. Anyways, um, <laughs> <laughs> Julie, an American uh, American artist, painter, and designer with six credits to her name. It was weird. It was Sean Colvin, which is from 25 years ago, so 90, in the 90s. Oh, wow, Sean Colvin? Yeah. I listened to her a lot. So probably that oh, yeah. same album cover, she did that one. And then a couple of compilation albums, and that's really it, which is weird because I actually... While we're looking through this stuff, I actually stopped and got you to go to her, her page to check out her paintings because her paintings are fantastic. They're wild and weird and awesome. Yep, they sure are. And I think you guys and she's should, on Instagram as well. Instagram as well, juliespeed.com if you're going to go to her page and check out her work. It's it's fantastic. And actually, I don't know why more of her stuff hasn't been used for, for covers. And I will say too, while we're on it, is that I actually, out of this whole album, I actually like the cover of this album. I think it's actually kind of cool uh, way of doing it. Yeah. Uh, for the people who have never seen a Sleep at the Wheels uh, framed cover. So it's like a picture, a black and white photo, but somebody's holding up a frame. And then the frame, and then there's a couple of people inside, but it's all just certain parts of it have been colorized. So it's actually looks, it's actually a pretty cool photo. I'd yeah, and it's bright colors too, and it's so that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, it really pops against the black, uh, black and white background. Yeah. Yeah, so I give that, it's pretty clever. And on the back as well. So I'll give him credit for that because that's pretty good. Um, that's it. Okay. So Discogs has five for sale from $4.96. Um, 30 people have it. Three yeah. people want it. It gets 2.67 out of five mm -hmm. with three people voting. Um, and they've never... I don't know where they get the four ninety six because they've... Well, they've obviously got some for sale. But they've never sold it. Never on sold, the yeah. <laughs> so there's no resale values available for this album. Yeah, I can see that. Which I'd give it away for free. Yeah, yeah. Come take both copies, two copies give of it. Give it away, give it away, give it away. So would you give it? I get it one. Yeah, me too. One. There's nothing really worthwhile here for me. No. I mean, yeah, even if you're a fan of Asleep at the Wheel, you probably not going to dig it either because it's not the stuff that you like. Good try, Asleep at the so Wheel. Asleep at the Wheel. Down. Trying to do something different. Yeah. That'll Jerks. Learn you. That'll learn you. Okay. okay. So I was going to say, they probably won all the Grammys for the albums that all sound the same, that their, their thing, which was supposed to be was supposed to be country, western, swing. Um, I wonder if, I, I never did pay attention to when they got the Grammys okay. as to whether it was, because I think that they was. They did win a bunch. Yeah, they did. I, yeah. I mentioned it in yeah. my little blurb. That's okay. It's, we're, we're past that. It's down. We don't have to go back. Okay. We can talk. So, number two, The Sparks, Kimono My House. Kimono My House. This was really, the timing of this couldn't have been more perfect. Yeah, the timing is wild, actually. And, um, yeah, go, go ahead. We had no idea it was in the collection. I've never, I've never heard of this band before, ever in my life. If I, I, Until? Well, no, I, I know of the single. I know of that single for sure, 100%. I've heard that, but I don't, if you would ask me what band it was, I've never heard of these dudes. Yeah, okay. yeah, same okay. here. But yeah. it just so happens that 
The day I pulled it out of the thing. Edgar Wright has been working on a What's documentary. That? Edgar Wright, uh, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, uh, Baby Driver. We fucking love the guy. He's a mainstay oh, yeah. here. Yeah. Spaced. His movies are phenomenal, and he's brilliant. We both love him to death. Okay. Um, so, just around the time we pulled this one out, his documentary was being released yeah he released this literally the same day so it just all kind of came to our attention in within a matter of a couple of days yeah so we had pulled it out and then we sit down there and there's like all these trailers sparks brother edgar wright's documentary so like we put it on and it's like holy fucking shit i can't wait to fucking get in this fucking album because it's amazing and i i want to be part of it and wow the first song on this album and i'm kind of getting a little bit ahead of myself here but this town is not big enough for both of us. Yeah. Now, as soon as we dropped the needle on it, I had heard this before. Yeah, it's like, I remembered I... this song, yeah. but had no idea who Sparks was. Yeah. So, Sparks is an American pop and rock duo formed by brothers Ron and Russell Mayle. They're known for their quirky songwriting style, and their songs are mostly about women or Shakespearean references. Their stage presence is described as idiosyncratic <laughs> uh, due to the contrast between Russell's animated hyper frontman antics and Rod's deadpan scowling. Yeah, he he even like, has like this little Hitler mustache. A little pencil mustache. And he just, sits at his, he just sits at his keyboard and just like plays with a straight face the whole time. Yeah. And, like, and the brother just goes just, like, wild. Crazy all over, yeah. Uh, they were much more successful in the UK than they were in the US, Makes but they do have a cult following in the States. Kimono My House is their third studio album released in 1974 and is considered to be their commercial breakthrough. The album was a shift in sound to a more pop-oriented and fit with the glam rock scene, oh, which yeah. was dominating the charts with bands like Roxy Music and David Bowie. Yeah, I don't know why they're not talking about T-Rex in there. And, um, oh yeah, there's, there's, he definitely fits in that. The songs were filled with pop culture references, puns, and peculiar sexual content. Mm -hmm. Often sang in falsetto. And there's a lot of falsetto on this album. The whole thing. <laughs> um, the album went to number four on the UK album charts. Yeah. And the song, This Town Ain't Big Enough for Both of Us, was a surprise hit reaching number two on the British chart. The album has been certified gold. Oh, that well, I mean, we'll talk about it all, but that first song, I mean, that, that single, it's like the most perfect fucking single. It just, like, it comes out of the gate blasting, and it's so catchy and heavy. It's been and stuck in my quirky. head for yeah, days. Yeah, it's just like... For days, I've been singing it. Oh, yeah, it's it's fantastic. <laughs> uh, producer, Muff Winwood, which, who we've <laughs> talked about before on this Good show. Muff. He's also a brother, the brother of Steve Winwood, yeah. but he's got 170 producing credits to his name. Spooky Tooth, Mott the Hoople, Bay City Rollers, Ma Dire Straits. This is Mott the Hoople. And, oh, and Dire Straits. And Dire Straits. Yeah, okay. And the only... I added this band. I've never heard of them, but I love the name. The Fabulous Poodles. The Fabulous Poodles. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> Track listing on this album. This Town Ain't Big Enough for Both of Us. Amateur Hour, Falling in Love with Myself Again. Here in Heaven, Thank God It's Not Christmas. <laughs> Side two is Hasta Mañana, Monsieur, Talent is an Asset, Complaints, In My Family, and Equator. The runtime of this album is 36 minutes and 19 seconds, 
And for context, if you are a Sparks fan, and I commend you for that, mm -hmm. uh, the Before album was the 1973 album called, and I love the title of this too, A Woofer in Tweeter's Clothing. Yeah, that's right. The After album was released in 1974, and it was called Propaganda. Yeah, sorry, I'm just looking at the... Because like, you just talked about the quirkiness of their lyrics and stuff, and I just, when you read off, there's so many things that come to mind, but like I just like the song in my family just like one of the last lines it just it says the one last the last lines of the song is I'm gonna hang myself in my family tree it was just so many weird <laughs> so many weird things and i was thinking about that song we saw the other day dicking around yeah which they wouldn't play on on the radio yeah because and it, there's, a, there's a couple of dick songs because yeah. there was a, a song we were listening to just before that's not from this album actually some of the other stuff it's called angst in my pants and it's just like it just talks about not paying attention to it so it goes away well, and I'm when I'm, I'm now that I read re reading some of these titles, you know me, I'm not really great with titles of songs, but falling in love with myself again, I'm yeah. going to go read those because you know that's yeah, yeah. got it's got to have something that's to do with sex. Too, if so. it doesn't, it's disappointing. Yeah, no kidding. Sorry, I'm just looking at it. Lyrics right now. Oh yeah, uh, the. the that you guys, yeah, if you haven't, go go treat yourself to it. And here's the other thing about this album, too, is that it's fucking gold. Like, from start to finish. Yeah. Like. The first time we went through it, <laughs> I was kind of like, I kind of had ABBA syndrome. You know how everything's just so, because, like I said, most of the songs are sung in falsetto. So it, the register's really high. Mm -hmm. And after you get so many songs of that, you're kind of burnt out on it. But the second and third time that we've listened to it, yeah. it, I've sort of been able to separate the songs now in my head. I have some favorites. I You can digest it. Yeah, like yeah. And yeah. I agree with you. I think that it's gold. It's a must-have. Yeah, it's a, must I, I, own. I'm, I'm with you on the must-own. Like, it's fucking, yeah. And if you know <laughs> nothing about Sparks, see the... Um, Check out the documentary. See the documentary. We're the super Brothers. excited to yeah. see it. We can't wait until we can see it. You guys gotta like. I mean, if the only only negative I could come up about this album is that it's <clears throat> almost forty four minutes long, and it it is fucking balls out the whole time. Like, there's so much energy and flow to this album, but the issue is that if you're listening to it a couple times, especially with a bunch of other albums like this, is that it, it doesn't have a break in it. It tires you out. Yeah, it can yeah. be it can be a little exhausting, and I I know that's kind of a weird thing to say, but because they they're so up tempo and there's so much energy to it that literally by the end of the album you're like, oh fuck, I'm gassed. I need, to, <laughs> I need to break here. But I what need a, some John Denver. But yeah, but what about what, what amazing show that would be though? Like just to go and have them pound it out because especially like I said, the first half of that album is just like perfect. Like it's it's just a perfect uh, glam rock album. Like, just comes out, busts out with that fucking track, and then it's, it's got your attention, and then you're in. Well, like right away, as soon as you hear that, you're like, fuck yeah, let's go. And it's so funny, because we were watching some videos on YouTube, and one of the videos was actually of one of their stage shows. Yeah. And here's the brother, uh, Russell, I believe his name is the, the piano the key, player. Keyboard guy. He's just sitting there playing straight face, no... And the other guy's got, like, this long, flowing robe on, and... There's all these girls kept coming out of the audience. Just like jumping on the stage. Jumping onto the stage, yeah. running up to him, try, the brother singing, and trying to kiss him. And like and, tackle him. And they at one point tackled him to the floor. Yeah. 
And um, he just keeps on going. Dolphin it out like. Doesn't even flinch. He just keeps on going. And it was just so fun to watch. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Go do some research on these guys because they are. This is definitely one of the, like I was telling, it's funny because I'm telling my dad about this and he seems really perplexed by the whole thing because like this is one of the albums he owned before meeting my mom, before anything. This is like one of the original, originals, originals. And it's like, I was telling, we were sitting down talking to him about it and it's like, this is like easily one of the coolest, most obscure albums in the collection. Yeah, like we just I said, walk into blindly and be like, "Holy shit!" Some of these albums, I don't know for the life of me how they got in this collection. Yeah, yeah, this one is the one that seems the most out of place. It's just too good for this collection. So yeah, this is '74. Your mom and dad would have been together in 1978. Oh no, they were together before that. Okay, it wasn't so. just like they didn't get together and had me. It was they were definitely causing problems beforehand. Definitely before you. So uh, yeah, Kimono My House, Sparks. Or Sparks Brothers, I guess, depending. Um, Island Records, catalog ILPS 9272, Canada, 1974. Original pressing. Uh, I listed as pop rock, glam rock. Uh, I've added hard rock into there, and synth rock into there. So, um, Condition. The cover, this, is, this one here is a little bit, oops, I got down here. It's a little bit more warm. Like I just got through saying it, it's been around coast to coast everywhere. It's definitely been played and loved. Uh, so we'll give it an okay. The spine isn't very readable, but it's not ripped or anything anywhere. It's just worn. Uh, sleeve. There's no sleeve, but there is an insert with lyrics. So I don't like that old Safely. no sleeve thing. The vinyl's okay. It was dirty. It's well used. Um, it needs a little bit more love in terms of just cleaning it up. The audio, though, I mean, it was very good considering. And... Um, <clears throat> There really isn't much difference between the vinyl version and the Spotify version. So the very last time we just listened to the Spotify version. But the audio is is really good. They did a good job. For what it is, this is not overtly complicated music. It's very, like, especially in that first single, that single it's really straightforward drums and there's, like, synth and yep. the keys. So, yeah, I love it. A little bit on the repetitive side, but that's... But that's pretty catchy yeah. and hooky, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, and like, there's a nice short song. I think it's just under three minutes. It's just like, boom. Uh, art direction and cover concept by Nicholas Deville, artwork by Bob Bokit, and photography by Carl Stoker. Uh, Nick, a British designer, artist, author, and currently professor of visual arts at some fancy London college. Uh, <laughs> Forty-eight credits to his name: Roxy Music, uh, Brian Ferry, King Crimson. First time on the show for 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 old Nick here. Bob, British graphic designer, who also worked uh, at a We've talked about it before, but not for a while, um, an art house called CCS, which eventually became part of Hot House, which I know we've talked about before. Uh, 31 credits to his name, Brian Ferry, Roxy Music, King Crimson. You're going to hear these same names continually come up. Yeah, yeah. Carl, uh, American photog, most well known for his 1970s glam rock photos, particularly with Roxy Music. <laughs> Worked with Lou Reed, Roxy Music, Brian Ferry, and after that much, but LOL. Because I just kept writing down Roxy Music. And they're not even this fucking episode. No. And it's mentioned more than any other band. Uh, so that, yeah, that's it. I'm just, okay, actually, there's a bit of uh, bit of notes on the cover here. So the original concept by Ron, he wanted the cover to be a throwback to Japanese World War II propaganda. 
Um, but it was reworked by the team who did many of the Roxy Music covers to, to come up with this. Uh, what, what's uh, here Good now. thing we don't have to take a drink every time you see Roxy, Roxy Music. Roxy Music. I think it's still one more time in here, too. Uh, noted for uh, it's also noted for not having the band al- band or album title on the cover. On the front, yeah. I wish I fucking love that. I love when they do that so much. And if anybody ever gives me a chance to do that, that'll be what's happening. I don't want it on the front. It's all on the back. There it is. Sparks. Come out of my house. Yeah. All the information. So yeah, I like that, and I also like that cover. Um, both the women were actress- actresses from Japan's uh, Red Buddha Theater, and one of whom would actually go on to do backing vocals on Bowie's Scary Monsters album. Ooh. Uh, her, I believe. Cool. So, uh, yeah. Have I'm... we done Scary Monsters? I don't no, think so. I don't think so. I don't think it's in the collection, which is a real shame. The collection needs more Bowie. So that's it for me. Um, one of the things, too, I want to mention is these guys are both in their 70s now. Yeah, still going. And they're still going. They're still doing concerts. Um, they're, this fall, actually, I think it's this fall at Disney. Yes, yeah. They're doing a big uh, row, so. Yeah. Yeah, so, in their 70s, still pounding it. Yeah. So Crazy. that's kind of cool. I agree with you. Thank you for bringing, mentioning that, actually. Um, Discogs, zero for sale. Uh, 28 have it, 85 want it. It gets 4.33 out of 5 with three ratings, three people rating. Um, resale value four dollars, four dollars and thirty cents, four dollars and sixty cents, which surprises me. I bet you I that, bet that goes up in, <laughs> in yeah. value now that this documentary is coming out. I totally agree. And they're, I, I'm so happy that they're going to get their recognition that they should have had back in the day. Back like forty years ago. Because listening to this album, you can hear at least you could probably name off a handful of bands. Directly who you influenced. know have been influenced directly by these guys. Directly influenced. It's fucking crazy. I agree with you. And that probably talks about all of that in the documentary. Yeah, which just we haven't seen yet. Some off the top of the heads, because like some of the stuff these guys did in the '90s, Pet Shop Boys clearly just took. Uh, I think of like when I think of some of this stuff, you think I think of bands like Primus. I think of uh, oh fuck yeah, there's so many bands have been influenced by these guys. It's, yeah. it's wild. Yeah, it, I, it goes with yeah. Ramstein. Yeah. Oh, uh, just like. They have a keyboardist who's got the pencil and mustache, except his gig is that when he plays the keys, he's on a treadmill. He's on a treadmill. He walks. Yeah. <laughs> so that's his gimmick. In his little tracksuit. Yeah, in his track, silver tracksuit. So, yeah. Because um, they were a huge hit in Germany. So, again, um, I gave it 4.5 out of 5. Yeah, me too. I gave it 4.5. And if you guys are wondering why, I just sometimes don't give it necessarily a 5 because I want to listen to it more and, like, consume it more and... Oh yeah, it's tempting. I know. Yeah. I, I think about that five all the time. But yeah, no, it's it's a must own, recommended. Yeah, must go listen. listen to it. Yep, yeah. it's on Spotify. Yes, um, on Spotify. Sounds good. And what else? Unfortunately, I think that's it. For I think that's it. It's just one of those albums that it, it just it's such a surprise and yeah, yeah. It's just, I just want to find. Yeah. This is one of those ones you dig around shitty. Shitty bins to find gold. Well, and, and what's gold. so funny about it is that he, uh, Edgar Rice has been making this this documentary for quite a while, and we've heard about it, and we've heard it yeah, yeah, talked totally. about, yeah. we've watched interviews, and it never, but it, we never put two and two together until we pulled this album out, and then the next day the documentary the, the trailer <laughs> yeah. broke, yeah, and yeah. we were able to watch it. So we've just been like totally obsessed with Sparks. Yeah, it's been, it's been a wild... For about a week. <laughs> it's been a wild one. And going forward. 
All right. All right, sparks, sparks down. down. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Uh, number three, Slick Band, or the Earl Slick Band. Um, Earl Slick is a guitarist best known for his collaborations, meaning guitarist for hire. Oh, it's session, session musician. Session musician yeah. with David Bowie, John Lennon, Yoko Ono, Robert Smith. I saw some Robert, uh, Rolling Stones somewhere, I think. He also worked with John Waite, Tim Curry, David Clover, or Coverdale. Yeah. Uh, this is his first solo album released in 1976. And altogether, um, he had eight solo albums, but he's had probably three, four times that amount of albums out there where he's playing on with better-known musicians. Mm-hmm. Uh, the producer of this album was Harry Maslin. Um, 148 producing credits to his name. David Bowie, Bay City Rollers, Melissa Manchester, and Air Supply. Uh, wow. The track listing, um, Side A, Star of the Street, Heaven Couldn't Find, She's Not, Oh, Show Enough. <laughs> Show Enough. Burnt Love, PJ Proby. Oh, man, what was that movie? The, who had the guy's name? The character's name was Show Enough. It was a canon movie. What movie was that? Oh, I don't it know. It wasn't the Kung Fu one, but it was like super. He was the black. He was like Show Enough. Oh man. Okay. Now I wish I'd looked it up. <laughs> I should watch that movie again. Side two. Very blue. Lady Luck. Do it. The way down and bright way. For context, if you're a lover of his, the before album was this was his first album, was so first, there wasn't yeah, a before. <laughs> And the after album was released in 1976, and it was called Razor Sharp. Yeah, this one, this album too, wasn't rated very well from from my lookings around. People kind of anything that I saw was just the same thing that we're about to say. But <clears throat> well, the interesting stuff for this album is not <clears throat> is that is the people involved again. We, I'm pretty sure we've come across this before, but when you have session musicians who have done the work that some of these guys have done and and some of their additional musicians and stuff like when we get in talk about it in a sec is that they can turn out such a mediocre product <laughs> such a boring fucking yeah mediocre yeah product. yeah like sometimes the super groups that they put together yeah. are kind of it's just like wow you guys this is what you came up with this is so yeah. soft and tepid and Honestly, this album, it sounds like it's been made for like a TV movie or something. It's generic. It sounds like some other stuff, but n not at the same time. Yeah, and there's, so not can't much, be... there's not much of a difference between songs. No, uh, no, there we go. Yeah, it's exactly. All it's all pretty much the same speed, same... Uh, same kind of riff. Yeah, it, just, like... it, it was very mediocre as... I mean, the musicianship again. Yeah, once again, we're talking about a world-class musician. like that at all. It's just like they were on vacation. But it <laughs> wasn't... Um, yeah, I didn't really so, pay attention to So besides to the guy you songs. were saying, besides Earl Slick, really what I find the most interesting about this album is uh, two things, is Jay Ferguson and Michael Kamen. Yeah. And the fact that Jay Ferguson, again, fucking... You've done two of his albums? Fucking guy, man. I think two. Yeah, because I... He had that big hit, he, Thunder Island, back in the day. Well, we covered that album, yes, yeah. which has been used everywhere. We covered him in Jojo Gun, and I, he was in another band. I think he was in Spirit, but I don't think we... We've covered one Spirit, but I don't know if he was in it at that yeah, time. Yeah, I don't think he was, actually. We would have picked up on that, I think. So you have him, who's been on the show, and I hate his fucking solo stuff, but what I do love is that he also does scores and movie stuff. Yes. So, speaking of scores and movie stuff, also, Michael Kamen. And if you're wondering who that guy is, first of all, fuck you for not knowing movies. <laughs> Second of all, 
uh, Lethal Weapon, Die Hard, fucking Nothing But Trouble, Hudson Hawk, Last Boy Scout. I mean, this is just, I, I pick some of the cheesier ones that I okay. like, but there's better ones than that. But all the Lethal Weapon movies and the Die Hard movies, like, that, that's all him. Yeah, he did the He died fucking, fucking early, too. He was only 55. Oh, wow. Yeah, which is really sad. 2003, and, too. It's been a long time. Oh, so it's been a while. Yeah, his music gets reused all the time in, because uh, he's still got, literally, he's still got credits for episodes of NCIS that are occurring, so it's, that's so weird. Well, and it's funny, that's one thing about you that I have always thought was really cool, is that you have an ear for music, you can hear a, we'll watch a movie and you'll be like, that music's from such and such. Yeah. Like, soundtracks stick with you. Yeah. So you can recognize the person who writes them from one movie to another. Well, and it comes from, it comes from, and we were just, the last thing we were just talking about, Edgar Wright, because him and I are fairly close to the same age. We're all growing up with, like, Tarantino movies. So the music and the situation all, even in real life, whether it's movies or not, the situation, it all connects and that's yeah. how like the memory works is it's, yeah. it's attached to like baby driver is a good example it's just like it's how it's attached to things it's the yeah. music yeah so also uh jay ferguson also did uh nightmare on elm street 5 um and tremors 2 which we just happened to watch the other day we so did. um yeah i don't remember. it didn't turn out as well as my brain remembered it but still. the movie or the, the movie. music no no the movie yeah no i remember the movie being a little better than that but it, it wasn't yeah, it was pretty. It had, I think it had moments at the beginning, but we'll, we'll talk about that some other time. Some different podcasts. <laughs> yeah, this. <laughs> the Shremers podcast. we're done with the records. <laughs> we'll go through all the Shremers we'll movies. We'll go on the movies. <laughs> so anyways, to me, that's the more interesting part. It's just like you have this collection of people from like quite, quite a variety and just to turn out a, such a mediocre, generic sounding fucking rock album, blues rock album. It would be interesting to hear little snippets of his later albums and see if they're still the same. I have a feeling we might get treated to that, baby. Okay. Just, just, I have a, I don't know for sure. I'm just saying I have a gut feeling there might be more of this shit around here. All right. Because <laughs> that's the way this collection works. And it'll be like the Sleep at the Wheel album. There'll be three or four copies of it. <laughs> for some reason. I like it so much, I'm buying more. Yeah. <laughs> just in case. Keep one in the car. Uh, that's it for me. Wait. You no, read all your I stuff? I didn't do all my stuff. No, those are my notes for me. Oh, okay. So I'm going to get to my other stuff. Okay, now do your other stuff. <laughs> it looks like I have written down the Earl Slice Band. The Earl Slick Band. Uh, Capital Records, catalog ST11493. This is an American pressing, uh, specifically Jacksonville, in 1976. Original with a hole punch, because, yeah, no doubt it's hole punched. Because <laughs> sometimes a hole punching can indicate that it was discounted. Yeah. And I would say that this album was... Probably heavily discounted. Found in a bargain bin at a truck stop. Yep. Oh, yeah, probably, yeah, totally. Uh, condition, the cover, um, yeah, besides the whole punch, the, it's got a pretty hardcore fade condom ring going on there. Uh, the sleeves, okay, it's plain paper, so who gives a shit? Uh, vinyl, actually, probably because it didn't get played, is actually quite very good. And the audio is also okay mix. Like, it's, it's kind of like everything else. It's nothing special, it just, it's there. No, it doesn't have any deepness or richness to it but it's not it's, well it's not super it, bassy yeah i agree yeah it doesn't have any oh yeah like i said it's yeah. a, that's what i have down here it's just like it's, it's okay yeah it's a rock rock mix basic rock mix when like i said once again with all these people you think it would sound the best but yes mm, no 
Uh, photography by uh, Kenneth McGowan and designed by Brian Hagawara and Rod Dyer. I think both those guys have been on the show before, so I think they have a company. So Ken, American Photog with 58 credits to his name, Kansas, Chet Baker, Bobby Womack, and he, and he hasn't been on the show before. Uh, Brian and Rod had been on the show before with Willie Nelson's Always On My Mind, which we both enjoyed. Or at least I did. And, oh, uh, yeah, I'm sure I did, too. Other credits include Super Tramp, The Osmonds, and Billy Joel. Maybe that's where they went wrong. Oh, no, Osmonds. Sorry, it was that's the design. It's design, the, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. the producing. No, no. <laughs> and that, okay, now that's really it for me. There really wasn't much for this one. Yeah, I didn't find a lot either. For real reasons. Uh, Discogs, 46 for sale from $3.72. <laughs> 46. 263 people have it. 17 people want it. Uh, it gets 3.55 out of 5 with 22 people so rating. Really fucking generous. It's funny because usually the albums like this have a lot of people, like the mediocre, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, mainstream kind of... They usually have a it's lot true. of people voting for them and like giving it way too giving much. Giving it way too much. Yeah. Resale value two dollars and forty eight cents, seven dollars and fifty six cents, and eleven dollars and eighty one cents in Holy good condition. Holy shit! It is not worth that. No, we might get eight for it, but wow. that's it. So I give it one out of five. <sighs> I gave it two. Just because, because of. The two of all, just, that well, not just the two, which is like because of you know Earl and, and Jay and everybody, and they can't, but then it's just like such immediate too. It's not like <laughs> you see a little belly popping out there. <laughs> it's not like it's not like it's awful, terrible. Like they tried to rap and do reggae or something. It's just it's just fucking white guy reggae. Yeah, white guy. It's just it's just mediocre for a bunch of people who have super amounts of talent. And, well, and that's the thing, is that Earl Slick obviously has super amounts of talent. He made probably a dozen albums with Bowie. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, just the people that he's associated with. I mean, it's obvious he's a talented guy. But um, somewhere along the line, things just didn't translate. Not an album. With his first solo album. They allowed him to have more, so obviously maybe they get better. I just hope none of them are in the collection. It could be. All right. All right. Yeah, that's enough of that. So, so down. I know this part's going to surprise the hell out of everyone listening, but best of three? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm saying Sparks. Yeah, come on to my house. Yeah, Sparks for me too, of course. Yeah, yeah it's not even close. That's that's a fine. That one will be in our, like, if we ever do a collection, that, was, that one's going to be in the top five of fines. Well, then that would be one that we probably wouldn't get rid of. I, for, I agree 100%. In fact, I don't even know, in terms of just, like, the way found it and discovered it, I don't know if there's anything in the collection that actually matches that yet. Yeah. Uh, we've enjoyed, we've we've definitely found some albums that we have, like Gentle Giant. There's def definitely some albums out there, but not like that. Led Zeppelin. Oh, no, that's a little mainstream -y. I'm talking about obscure shit. Yeah. So, yeah, no, for sure, with you. It's great. Um, okay. All right, thanks for listening. We'll be back before you know it, complaining in your ear. We've been a little bit slower at getting episodes out because of summer. Yeah, it's, it's summer. We get, we get distracted, and we've had some really crazy high-temperature heats here. Well, and that's the other thing. We had uh, a record-setting heat wave here in the Pacific Northwest to the point that actually for three or four days we couldn't really have any equipment on because it was just too, too hot. Too hot, yeah. And it was uh, would fuck up the equipment. So, yeah. But we're back. We're back and rolling, and there's no more no more big heats for a while. So we'll get cracking. Yeah. So thanks for listening. Bye. Oh, thank you.